I wish that I could talk to actors in the beginning of their journey and say to them, okay, as hard as you feel like it is now, if I told you the more successful you become, the harder and more competitive it's going to become, are you still in? Or are you only in because you love it and you believe in the myth that the farther along you go, it will suddenly get easier? Today, we have another Behind the Podcast episode with the reigning queen of acting podcasts, Audrey from Audrey Helps Actors. If you've been pursuing your acting career for 5, 10, or 15 years and want to hear from someone in a similar spot who has been getting traction in the industry, then you're going to love this episode with Audrey. Hey there, my name is Nathan Agan. This is The Working Actor's Journey, bringing you in-depth conversations with actors that have been working professionally for decades. I've come across a number of other great acting-related podcasts out there, all taking different approaches, and I want to share those with you. Last season, I chatted with Peyton Fallis of In and Out of the Arena, a roundtable-style show, and he's an actor based in Atlanta. I know I could just mention the title of the show and say, go listen, but I feel like I wanted to do more, to find out more of the story behind it, who's involved, and share that with you. I'm doing The Working Actor's Journey because I love hearing the story, so that's what this episode with Audrey is about, too. And of course, as these hosts are connecting with and talking to lots of folks in the industry, they are exposed to a lot of great info. So that's what I want to tap into as well with this kind of episode. What have they heard over and over? What has the host learned about acting or the journey since they started their podcast? What are their favorite moments? Now, Audrey has talked with agents, casting directors, teachers, directors, actors of various levels, and covered so many different topics, including actor scams, finances, contracts, branding, and booking. I also thought this episode would be a great place to tell you that we have a new free guide to download. It's called 10 Ways to Stop Worrying and Start Working. Discover the mindset of working actors. Inside this online guide are 10 specific ways you can stop worrying and start working when it comes to being an actor. Hear thoughts, ideas, and advice from those who have been acting 40-plus years, taken from excerpts from past episodes. These guests do not know everything, nor is everything easy for them. They just have been around long enough to have figured out a few things, and they are sharing this with you. Get your copy of the guide now at workingactorsjourney.com slash sign up, and there's also a link in the episode description and on the show notes. Audrey Moore is a Phase 3 actor, and you'll learn more about that. And her show is all about sharing the truth and reality of what it's like to be an actor right now, wherever you are in your career. Most actors are somewhere between getting their first headshot and winning an Oscar. And there's plenty to discuss for all those people. Think of our chat as a quick look at the kinds of things you'll hear more of on her show. The wonderfully named podcast, Audrey Helps Actors, is exactly what it sounds like. Every episode, Audrey invites someone from the business to chat about everything from advice for auditions and getting a new agent to the nitty-gritty of exploring different theatrical markets and information about how you can better use your union. 
The show is regularly in the top 100 of all performing arts podcasts in several countries. It's often been in the top 25, and as of publishing this episode, the show is in the top 50 for performing arts in the U.S. Pretty amazing. And she's not even releasing episodes right now. She's between seasons, and that's how popular the show is. Many of you may already be listeners and fans, but if not, get on that. Here's just a bit of what Audrey and I cover. Where the idea for her podcast started and looking at what had existed. Why Audrey was doing so well in auditions, but wasn't booking. How to find the problem you actually need to solve in your career. Audrey's own journey with horrible self-tapes. And how to manage your time and energy with various opportunities. Audrey even turns the table and asks me a couple of questions, which was totally unexpected and a lot of fun. I always love hearing the why and the story behind things, including with other podcasts, and it's a great bonus when these hosts are also actors. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes, I want to let you know you can also become a premium member of the show, and there are a number of different perks, including bonus episodes, exclusive opportunities, and more. Members can hear additional conversations with past guests Robert Pine, Don Didwick, Richard Reilly, and Tony winner Reed Burney. Head over to workingactorsjourney.com slash premium to find out more and become a member. A special shout-out to those at the co-star level or higher. Adam, Jeff, Robert, Ken, and Ralph. Thrilled that you all are members. So here's a little bit more about Audrey's journey. She studied at the Boston University College of Fine Arts and the London Academy of Dramatic Arts. In just over the last 10 years, she's racked up 20-plus on-screen credits, including recurring parts on the shows Manhattan, Godless, and Better Call Saul. She's not wasting any time, and it shows. I'm honored that Audrey is part of this, and I really enjoyed connecting with her. It's clear we have a similar goal, to share helpful info and the real truth of it all with actors out there. So here we go with a look behind the podcast, Audrey Helps Actors. Please enjoy my chat with its host, Audrey Moore. I had spoken with Christine Aller uh, about your show and, and, you know, she had you know kind of filled in some gaps because you know i had i didn't know you yet and Mm -hmm. and you know we were talking about other acting podcasts out there and inside acting came up um as you know something similar um but you know as they kind of trailed off that's when your podcast really started to to catch uh you know catch with people and so it seemed like you were really you know picking up the mantle in not a direct way but like Mm -hmm. the audience that was really interested in that content suddenly had a new podcast to check out that went even to some degree maybe even deeper about the specific acting bend and so i I just i mean you know like there's many questions i could ask but i am curious why you decided to do the podcast and what was the turning point from idea to execution for you Great. Yes. I mean, for me, you know, to talk about those guys in that podcast, you know, I actually wasn't even aware of that podcast. It hadn't even occurred to me that there would maybe be acting podcasts out there. 
I checked theirs out. They actually had, uh, I believe they had Gabrielle Carteris on mm-hmm. in one of their episodes. And I was sort of, you know, I'm like geek out for Gabrielle. So I looked at that episode. And uh, so I think with their podcast, they were on the beginning end of their working actor's journey. Mm-hmm. And I had had the impulse a long time ago to be helping other actors. Is You know, I talk a lot about on the podcast. I've been doing some form of that for a really long time, whether that's taking actors out for coffee, you know, just working on solutions, uh, that sort of stuff. And now I just felt like it was really important that I reach a certain level of my own professional success so that I felt as confident as possible creating content that I was passionate about creating, which is really like solution-based content for actors. Sure. You know, everything that's out there for actors is either people who are famous and usually trying to like plug something that is really cool that they're doing, or it's like, how do I get my first headshot? And how do I get my first headshot is valuable to a lot of actors, but most actors that I know are sort of somewhere in between I need my first headshot and I need to get an Oscar mm-hmm. or I have my Oscar. Right. Right. So that was really my interest is what about all of us? What about all the rest of us who've gotten our first and fifth headshots and are maybe making health insurance? Maybe you're just getting our first co-star, maybe have had our first series, you know, and be able to address all of the issues along that whole scope from a working actor's perspective rather than from a publicity perspective and also rather from a selling perspective. Another thing that I had realized is that a lot of actor podcasts were very much geared towards like take my acting class or take my whatever. And, you know, that's great. There is a lot of need for that. And what's great about podcasts is it's something actors are spending a lot of time in their cars. They're spending a lot of time on the subway. They're spending a lot of time commuting to auditions in some form. And podcasts are, oh, there's my dog. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things that actors of all levels need podcasts of all kinds, and some are inspirational and some are maybe, you know, yes, go take this class and here's how to find some headshots that, you know, I do or whatever. And all of that is fine. But I was really looking for a podcast that was just giving some, some like truth and some knowledge about really what it is that actors are up against and in a business sense, not just in a creative sense. Everyone's Mm -hmm. teaching you how to be an actor. Everybody's teaching you how to act, but nobody's teaching you how to like make money as an actor. Everybody's teaching you how to like impinge the business. And it seems to be this like cloaked world that nobody really talks about. And then I felt like maybe nobody really knew also, (laughs) like, you know, maybe it was just a mystery. It will always be a mystery. But I started to see for myself that there were actual strategies that are just legitimate business things like, okay, well, you're in what's called a flooded market because there's like a 97% unemployment rate in your field and market. Well, that's that's actually like something legitimately concerning as a business person who's just trying to make profit off of something that you're selling is how do you make profit off of something that you're selling in a flooded market? Well, these are all like, I've come to realize like very logical and very noble 
business uh, concepts that nobody was really applying to the world of acting. And what I really loved about Christine's episode is that she talks a lot about like the myths that we're creating about being an artist and being an actor. And I so agree with that. These myths are created by publicity because we're trying to sell the American dream, which is that out of nothing, you too can be magic. You too can, you know, basically be Harry Potter. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I hope that for everyone, I hope that you get plucked out of obscurity and become all that you are. But if you're not, first of all, I don't want actors to feel bad about that because that's actually the norm, not the exception. And along that journey to creating yourself as being Harry Potter instead of like somebody discovering that you are and then plastering you to be like rich and famous, that the journey becomes something that is understood and uh, has a lot of camaraderie, a lot of empathy, a lot of um, possibilities of how to go about making your career as full and exciting and fruitful as it can be at any point in time, and really understanding what's what you can do to push it along and then where you're more or less kind of helpless. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you're just helpless and nobody loves feeling helpless. Nobody loves that. But I think at least just knowing that that's there in my experience can sort of take a lot of the shame that actors have around their careers. A lot of the frustration that they have around their careers, because if it's just out of your control, maybe you could just go about living your life, doing what you love to do and control what's in your control or surrounding your success and let go of what you can't control surrounding your success. Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are, uh, you know, great um, goals to have. And, and I, mm -hmm. I think it's really you know, because this came from, you know, I, I think to some degree it comes from a personal place of like, you know, you want, like you want to know this and you want to be educated. Totally. And, and, you know, so, and I think obviously some of the best projects come out of that space. Right. Um, yes. And, you know, you weren't new to acting when you started the podcast. So I'm curious, how would you describe where you are in your journey right now? And, and, uh, I remember listening to the, uh, Patrick Fabian episode that you uh, did. Yes. And, you know, yeah. you talk about the kind of level three, I think it was that, you know, yes. uh, or level four, you know, people mm -hmm. are at and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, you can, if you want to use those terms, you can, you know, kind of unpack them Clarify a little bit more. Them. Yeah, exactly. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, where, where, where do you feel like you're in your journey right now? Great. I love that question. You know, when I talk about levels, uh, phases is what I call them. Mm -hmm. And that the phase one actor is the actor who's really just getting started to all the way, maybe like getting a co-star, maybe having their first commercial. You know, they are uh, anywhere from like, I just graduated to I'm just barely getting my toe into some real professional work that anyone would ever see or recognize. Right. Phase two is a little bit more of that. So maybe instead of one commercial, you've booked a few commercials at this point. Maybe instead of you know one co-star, you've got like four co-stars and maybe a guest star or maybe a couple commercials. You may have qualified here or there for, you know, SAG health insurance. Uh, if you're in theater, you know, you have maybe spent a few years now in various equity contracts, you know, whether that's touring or, you know, in New York City or wherever that is. So that's phase two. Phase three is where you've got some project 
that has really landed you and the project recognition. Mm -hmm. So this is somebody who has maybe made health insurance and way beyond for uh, a year or several. Mm -hmm. And this is somebody who isn't necessarily a household name, but all the other actors would consider this person to be successful. Sure. And if this actor were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, instead of the obituary saying like struggling actor or, you know, aspirational actor, they would say actor living in right. such and such. Right. You right. can be seen them on such and such shows that that would sort of be, you know, what defines them. And then phase four is something that I'm looking at. And those are people that more or less, when I say their name, people know who they are, mm -hmm. you know, so Patrick Fabian's a good example. You know, my mom knows Patrick Fabian. She's a huge fan of break or better call Saul, but also breaking bad. Sure. And even if I would say, you know, blah, 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 actor, you know, Bob Schmo actor, my mom would be like, Bob Schmo actor, I don't know who that is. And I'd be like, oh, you remember that show they were on such and such. And they're like, oh, yeah, which one? Oh, so and so. And they're like, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. You right. know, so m more recognition. And those people are usually people that within the industry, Hollywood, um, you know, the guests that you had at the, uh, to end your season two, right? Right. Like these are people that maybe you don't know their name, but within the industry, casting directors, directors, producers, they all know who they are. Right. They right. have come to know and trust their work to some varying degree. So that's phase four. And what I have discovered is, you know, this leveling up from each level to level is extremely painful. And I compare it a lot to a video game of, um, you know, I think there's this myth out there that you are going, I spent my whole career on this myth. I have to tell you, it's, I spent my whole actor's journey on this myth that the further up I went, the easier it would get for me. Hmm. And instead, the further up I get, the more competitive it's gotten. Really? And Interesting. that's a huge discovery. And I have uh, not just my own stats to make that evident, but, you know, I've had uh, agents on, I've had other actors on who are successful, and they all say the same thing. And I think that if, along with myths that we could get rid of for actors, like that would be a really great one to get rid of. I wish that I could talk to actors in the beginning of their journey and say to them, okay, as hard as you feel like it is now, if I told you the more successful you become, the harder and more competitive it's going to become, are you still in? Or are you only in because you love it and you believe in the myth that the farther along you go, it will suddenly get easier? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm at this level, I would call myself a phase three actor. I've had a lot of really uh, successful projects that I've been in and uh, around town. You know, if I tell people who my agents are, people know who that is, sure. right? Yeah. And uh, casting directors, I have relationships with them. When I go and talk to my agents, if they were to say, what casting directors do you have relationships with? I wouldn't be like, oh, uh, I don't know. I could like actually <laughs> right. list, you know, casting directors who know me and like my work and bring me in consistently, even if they haven't been able to cast me in a project that's right for me yet. Right. So that's where I'm at. And to give an example of the competitiveness of that, 
you know, I remember when I started auditioning at the point where I started auditioning for guest stars. So guest stars for maybe your listeners who are baby actors, um, they are the larger supporting roles in a TV show. Mm -hmm. So not the one lines, but like the three scenes, Mm -hmm. right? When I started auditioning for those and I was, you know, still getting a call back, was getting called back into the office, was doing quite well, but would never hear or I would go to the audition. I would kill. I would slay. and They would be just love me and be and be very vocal about how much they love me. And then I wouldn't hear anything. I wouldn't hear that I was pinned. I wouldn't hear that I was called back. I wouldn't hear. But they would keep bringing me back into the office. So I knew that I was doing a great job. Sure. And I called a friend of mine who is a little bit ahead of me in her actor's journey. And I said, what's happening? And she said, oh, they offered it out. And I said, what do you mean they offered it out? She said, well, that's what happens is, and this was like horrifyingly shocking to me. She said, every guest star I go out for, I know that they've offered it out. And the only reason I'm going to get that guest star is because the person they offered it out to declined the job. And I was like, oh, shit. And I just had never thought of that. And so now I wasn't just competing to get the role as far as acting was concerned. I was competing with people who didn't even have to do any acting to get the role. Right. They already had a resume and an agent that supported that. Right. So that's an example of it getting more competitive. And even if you might, you know, I have a friend who, you know, started auditioning for series regulars and she was like, and I was amazing. And then, you know, I didn't hear anything and I couldn't believe it because I was so amazing. And I said, oh, well, they offered it out. And she said, but it's on this little sh- like shit network. Like who care? Who would want that show? And I was like, nobody's like, I don't want a series. Right. Nobody's right. like that. Everyone's like, I want a series. So even if it's on like some little shit network, if they're going to offer it to them, they'll take it. So I would say where I'm at now is in this very interesting creative space of having to be more than ever really passionate about doing the work for myself, regardless of the results that are out of my control. Mm. And that I may have, you know, I may have a series, I may have guest stars, I may have, you know, great reps, I may have great execution, uh, but I may be competing with people who have Emmy Awards. Right. I may be competing against people who have been cast members of Saturday Night Live. Right, right. Right? And uh, that's hard to compete against. And so I just have to be as incredible as I can be for me. And, you know, something I wanted to ask about, you know, you said in that phase three, you know, you might have a project that has uh, garnered some attention and all that. And, and and you mentioned that, I think you said you would listen to the episode with Gabrie- Gabrielle Carteras on mm, uh, Inside mm-hmm. Acting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's what's kind of interesting, a parallel between Gabrielle and yourself is, mm. you know, Gabrielle becoming, well, when Ken Howard passed away, the president of SAG-AFTRA. We'll yes, just kind of right. jump right to that. Like that right. certainly raises her profile in the industry. Uh, right. it, it may not be a direct acting job, but everyone is suddenly much more aware and m- mm-hmm. is, is much more aware of her name because of that. And mm-hmm. similarly, you know, you have your podcast, which is not mm-hmm. a direct acting job, but mm-hmm. you have now raised your profile um, mm. and, and even if, you know, 
and of course, like we're in this age now of YouTube stars and things like that, where it's like, sure. you know, conceivably somebody could cast you because of the podcast or bring you in because of your Instagram following or, you know, things like that, where mm-hmm. it's, it, it is an interesting time that, you know, in that phase three, you don't need to have a network series as, mm-hmm. as the thing that raises your profile and raises your sure. credibility uh, in the industry. And so I was just curious if, if you feel like, you know, that has, has that been the, the biggest thing to date that has really helped your career move forward, the podcast, or, or do you feel like mm-hmm. it's just another spoke in the wheel? It's hard to measure because I now only live my life as a life who has the podcast as an addition, sure, right? Yeah. So I have nothing to compare it to. I will say that I'm very strict with myself about the podcast and even in coming on to other shows for other podcasts such as this because I really am keeping my acting as my main priority. Right. That's really important to me. And I think I'm really supported in that by the listeners because I believe my greatest value to the listeners is an actor who continues to keep working steadily. Of course, yeah. And continuing to level up in my own journey and bring new perspectives and new guests on as I go along that journey, right? So that's my first priority. And if the podcast ever seems to get in the way of that priority, I'm always telling my husband, like, I'll I'll end the podcast tomorrow. Mm. Like, I'll quit it tomorrow, right? I'm doing it really and truly... uh for a few reasons. One is uh, to continue to hone in my voice because I've realized that what really makes actors pop is a really strong sense of self and then being able to bring that strong sense of self to the work. Sure, yeah. And what is unique about what you bring. And the podcast, I will say, artistically, one way it's really helped is it's really clarified what that is for me. It's clarified what people find valuable about me and also what some people find intolerable about me, which is also equally valuable. I think your, I think your intros are phenomenal because, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, regardless of the the content or the style, I feel like this, this is Audrey. Now, you may have created the character who does your intros, and that's you're totally your prerogative. Like, a lot of actors have done that before you. Mm -hmm. But I am very impressed with how, I'll just use this kind of marketing speak, on brand, those intros are. Uh, Like, they're really great. Thanks. No, it's definitely, I'm not putting on a character. That's... That's just a little piece of me, you know? And <laughs> Which is great. I mean, that's the easiest character is. to play. Absolutely. And, I, you know, what I know about this business is that one of the ideal situations to find yourself in as an actor is one where you're inspiring the writers and then they're right. inspired yes, yeah. to write for you and then you're inspired by what they've written for you and then mm-hmm. they're inspired. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get the greatest performances of all time is this beautiful collaboration, cohesiveness between the creators writing for you and then you, the actor, executing what they've written. Yeah. And so the more I can get awareness of what I bring that is exciting to people. And like I said, even if it's, you know, people don't like that part of me or they don't like that expression of me, that's okay too, because a lot of characters aren't likable. A lot of characters people can't tolerate. And so if I get something like that, I know I can, you know, bring that to the forefront for something. Sure. So artistically, that's been really valuable. And then I would say in a business sense, 
it's a lot of time and a lot of energy that I'm putting towards this thing. Uh, because I felt very much that actors are being lied to and that there's a lot of publicity and not a lot of like in the trenches truth Mm -hmm. happening. And that a lot of the people telling us what's going on aren't really the people working anymore. And that's not bad. I don't think that's to knock them at all. It's just to say that maybe the people that we're learning our acting from shouldn't be the same people we're learning our how to break into the business from. Right. Of course. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, I would say probably almost all of my guests would be the first one yeah. to admit to say, I came in 30 or 40 years ago. Like I am That's totally it. aware it's a new industry and, uh, you it's know, a new game. Right. And, yeah. you know, there are certainly some things like the psychological stuff, uh, that never goes away. And, and, you know, how, how you deal with the fear of rejection and, and the insecurity yes. like that is always present. Yes. So like that's, that's yes. what I'm excited to, you know, talk about and learn from. I mean, in any industry, people yeah. that have been doing it for 60, 70 years, like Absolutely. you're going to learn something. But, but yes, they're the first ones to recognize like, you know, it's, it's a whole new ball game out a there. A whole different game. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. And I also think that as it's helped to maybe assist in my career, just in my name and face being out there more, I, I'm, I think, you know, maybe so far, you know, the show's actually relatively new, mm-hmm. despite how popular it is. It may, may be too early to tell. But I do think that I bring now with myself a reputation of uh, a certain work ethic, mm-hmm. a certain um, standard of work. And when that is preceding you, you hopefully show up more to fulfill that. Right. It's well, harder to hide. Well, that, that people are primed to know that you are a professional. And I mean, really, that's right. like, that's, that's what most people are looking for. It's like, she, you know, right. we know she's going to show up, do her work, yes. and is going to be professional. Yes. Like, that's, that's right. That's what, what that's good. what people are looking for. Yeah. One of my agents who took a hiatus to have uh, a baby, I went and visited her and her a baby not too long ago. And she said it to me in a way that I thought was so uh, fascinating because she was talking about my, my booking ratio, which is a very good booking ratio, meaning number of times I audition versus how many jobs I book. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, you can't argue with that booking ratio. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. And she goes, well, you're really good at your job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, and I just feel like actors don't have that perspective. Yeah. Like, you're good at your job. Right. And, and, and that's a metric that you can actually look at, you know, as opposed is. to like, Oh, I really enjoyed you in that scene or on that, you know, and that right. it's like, no, this, right. this, this is quantifiable. Yeah. I think the more I work on it, the, this podcast, the more I talk to actors, the more I see opportunities for us to just be more informed. And in so doing, I get more informed, right. which is fantastic. And, I can sort of adjust what I need to ingest often by seeing others. Right. 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 The other part of my brain wants to chime in and go, okay, you know, I just said this booking ratio was quantifiable. And yet at the same time, there are many cases where you, as you even illustrated, you go into casting offices over and over and over and you may not be booking Mm -hmm. anything, but you're developing a really great relationship. So you may not have that high booking ratio because there are so many other factors that go into why you are cast, but uh, certainly something you can point to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do caution actors about leaving it off the table. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I really believe that most actors are really uh, terrible at auditioning because we yeah. haven't been taught to audition. You know, the conservatory education that I received was one wherein we weren't even allowed to audition for anything for the whole time that we were in school. Oh, wow. You were cast in things based on the people knowing your work, and then they would just cast you in it. And... I think that's a, a tremendous disadvantage since the way that you're going to then book the job is through the audition. Mm. And if you are auditioning for 50 things and you're getting zero bookings, to me, that's a bad ratio. Sure, of and course, yeah. I just think that your numbers don't lie. Right. And if you know like the standard is one out of every 20 is doing really well, then... If you're booking one out of every 20, congrats. And also to know, too, if you have a standard of understanding that numbers don't lie in a positive way, too. You know, I'll talk with actors all the time who will say, like, I'm just having, like, such a terrible year. Like, I had, you know, only five auditions this year, and I booked three of them, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> let's pause. Let's pause. So you had five auditions this year, and you booked three jobs. So to me, those are really great stats. And you don't have an audition execution problem. You have a getting more auditions problem. And then that can help you to know what problem you really need Mm, to solve. As opposed to trying to solve the problem of, I need to, I need to book more jobs. I'm not good at booking jobs. It's like, no, you need to get more auditions so that you can book those jobs. And this is exactly what you were talking about because this information of how to be a business person as an actor is so missing and lacking from the education. So but, mm-hmm. you know, if you are an entrepreneur, what you are saying makes absolute sense. It's like, oh, right. I need more leads. Like that's, that's it. That's what it is. But as actors, we're not educated about that. It's like, right. I, but if you ask any uh, startup person or entrepreneur or Absolutely. coach or whatever, they're like, yeah, I need to get more leads. It's like, yes. Yeah. Because when you're good at closing, once you get people on the phone, you can get them to buy your product or service or whatever, but you need more people in the door and actors don't know that. Oh my God. I just love everything that you just said <laughs> because it's, it's so exact. And I think when, for me, I love to explain it in other terms because I think when it's about acting, it's so personal to all of us because to be an actor, you have to be such a personal, emotional person. But when you can sort of say, oh, it's not that, like in business, it's this. It's like, oh shit, it's just the same thing. <laughs> a really good example of that is a friend of mine was talking about, you know, all the job postings that they do, like on, you know, Monster and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And he was like, you know, all that all that because he works at this company he's like all that's bullshit it's just so that you know hr can say like no we looked for diversity no we looked for people outside of our friends you know so they do a certain number of auditions basically which are let me see your resume let me let me garner your resume let me get your submissions from actors access or breakdown services right because we looked oh no we looked we tried but at the end of the day he said the person's going to get the job is always going to be somebody that somebody within the, the company recommended Mm. it just always is and i was like oh shit it's offered out and they said they'll bring you into the interview even they'll even give you a second interview but the whole time it was never your job it was carl's friend susan who was going to get the job the whole time it was only ever going to go to susan yeah and you don't know that and so you get your interview and you're like yeah nailed it and then you get your second interview like boom nailed it and then you don't get the job and watch a normal person who doesn't have an acting career get a second interview and then not get the job and watch the 
immediate chaotic emotional destruction that happens to them for like the next four weeks. And you'll feel so much better about how you're handling your acting career because you realize like that's the normal way to behave. Right. Right. Is to put a lot of work into something, get really close, and then nobody cares to give you a fuck about why it is that you did or didn't get it. Right. Yeah, that's maddening. Yes. For, for all of us. Yeah, and so yeah. that, to me, gives us such perspective and then makes it all a little bit less significant. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I know we could talk for hours about all this yeah. stuff, which is great. I want to give people, if they've never heard your podcast, just a couple, you know, kind of sure. quick ideas and and some of your feedback from doing the show. So one thing I'm curious mm-hmm. about is what is something that you've learned or been reminded about acting or the journey of acting since starting your podcast? I, everyone's terrible at self tapes. Oh. Everyone is atrocious at self tapes. Every self tapes. They're all just so they're just all terrible. <laughs> it's been so fascinating to see and, you know, I learned this through talking to casting directors and, you know, it's this thing. There are actually self-tapes that casting directors pass around to each other as like the great God gifting self-tapes. It's just they, they don't share them publicly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And when you see what a self-tape is internally that really stands out and then you see everyone else's self-tape, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God. And I would say as sta- self-tapes become more and more the standard, sure. really understanding what makes a self-tape pop i think you have to experiment and i would say to all actors if you watch your work and you are bored by your work that's correct it's boring yeah if you watch your work and you feel like it's kind of one note that's correct it's one note Whatever you see, it's not just because you're seeing it because you're making up stories about yourself, because I understand it could be hard to watch yourself, but you got to get better at that anyway, because that's what we're doing now. But generally speaking, whatever you see is what also they're going to see. And it's, I know, a hard thing because perfectionism is real and you just feel like, oh, my God, well, when I'm supposed to spend like 40 hours on a self-tape? And what's really unfortunate is, you know, one person raises the, f- I don't know, is your um, podcast explicit? Because- it already is now. Okay, you, great. Uh, <laughs> okay, because I've already dropped the bombs already. That's all I do, you guys. Um, if you're, somebody raises the fucking bar on you, and then that becomes the standard. And then you have to raise the bar. And it's not fair, but that's what happens in a competitive marketplace is somebody raises the bar to stand out. And then now that is the standard that you have to hit and it sucks and it's usually pretty expensive and it's often uh expensive without any reason of why you don't get a return on your investment so at the end of the day i say like you know actors will pay a bunch of money to go be great in acting class but then they get an audition where they don't even actually have to pay necessarily to be great it's the cost is just the time, right, which is the right, same amount of yeah. time you're putting in acting class anyway. And suddenly they get really angry and really crappy about their attitude. And then their work suffers. And I think just put the amount of love into that work that you would put if you were going to pay an acting teacher to give you an evaluation, but without paying the acting teacher to give you an evaluation. Yeah. That's great. That's that's great. And and I know 
Um, one of the cool things as an observer was to see the whole self-tape campaign you did uh, on Instagram. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was really exciting to see how many actors got on board with that. And and because it's, uh, well, I was just watching that Brene Brown uh, special on Netflix, and she talks about yeah. all about vulnerability and talk about yes. like, yeah, here I'm going to put some probably crappy work out there. Uh, yes. for anyone and everyone to see, probably even potential casting directors to see, mm -hmm. you know, my work and, and, but that's, that's what you got to do. Like, that's the only way you're going to get better is, is putting yeah, in the hours. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, so I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan that you did that. I think it's really, really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was so cool because I didn't even think it would turn into what it was. I was just like, that's when I started doing my self-tape regimen. I, you know, for the people who don't know my journey, I spent two years putting myself on tape uh, as an exercise Monday through Thursday for two wow. years. Wow. And I learned sides at night, and then I would give myself one take during the next day. And because I wasn't good at auditioning, and I could see that that was a missing piece that needed to be fixed. Mm. And so I just did the work. I like exactly what you're saying. I need to do the hours. So I, I just sort of was like, let's do self tape May because <laughs> May is a depressing month in the business. So I was like, let's just do it. And I didn't give everyone like a lot of lead up. I was like, you know, self tape May is happening. Like, like, you know, I've talked about this, even though I really <laughs> haven't. I was like, let's do it. And then, and then people got on board. It was so exciting. And then what was so funny is then other suddenly like self-taping companies started using it for their own profit. They were like, are you taking advantage of self-tape May? Like, blah, blah, blah. Come, come here and do self-tape May. We, we're a self-taping service and we'll do your self-tape May. And I was like, okay, I see. I see how this grows. You know, so it was, I was so proud of everyone. I have to say, I know how hard it is. A lot of people are coming home for work, but I think the best thing that people learned was do you have a life that's set up to receive and execute auditions mm, really yeah. to their fullest ability? Because if you are working until 11 o'clock at night and if you're in New York till two o'clock in the morning and you are at work and you get an audition at 7.15, that's six pages and the audition is at 11, do you have a life set up to book jobs? Right, right. Yeah, no, it can be a real good wake-up call. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I love that once again, this idea came out of something personal that it was like, mm. I need to be better at this. And then mm. having that observation or awareness of, I think this might be helpful for other people, or yes. I get the sense it's going to be helpful for other mm -hmm. people. So that's great. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What is, and I'm sure you've had many favorite moments over the podcast, but can you think of one that happens to stand out for any reason, whether it was funny or crazy or sad mm. or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite episode is the episode I did with Laura Spencer. Uh, for those of you who don't know her, she was on Lizzie Bennett Diary. She was on Bones. She was on Big Bang Theory. A very successful actress who underwent a very personal tragedy. And I've gone through a lot of my own personal tragedies. And, you know, being a freelancer, which is essentially what an actor is, you know, you can't take like a few months off for like grief, mm. you know, like that if you have a, um, if you have a, a job job, right. At like a company, you actually can, uh, file for, I think it's called like grievance time or something like that. Okay. And you know, you basically like can say, I have to go take time off of work to go grieve, right? which right. is something that then you can't be fired by and you actually get 
you know, some like financial assistance to go through. And when you're a freelance, you don't get to do that. And, you know, millennials are all freelance, right? There's like five millennials who are working for a company. And then if you're an artist, you absolutely get none. You don't get that as an option. right? And if you're waiting tables, you don't get that as an option. You just get off the schedule and nobody's going to pay you, right? So we just talked about that and we talked about you know, the, the discussions I really like are when we really get into like what this career path really costs, not just financially. Yeah. And we just had, I think, a really beautiful, uh, open conversation about the, about loss in general and then about how that can affect your career. And your artistic unfolding. And I'm to this day really grateful that she came on to share that. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. great. Cause it, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it it's something else that all of us are going to experience at Absolutely. some point, you know, and how does that, yeah. 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 It's a part of the package, right, right? Right. It's a part of the, it's a part of the life package, just like finance is a part of the life package. Sure. We got to be teaching, you know, I'm so glad you had her on talking about money. And then also, um, yeah, grief and loss. It's a part of the package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I'll, 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 I, I hope people check that episode out. I think it sounds like a, a really great place to start, um, yeah. with your show. Um, you know, talking about the, we were talking about the phases earlier. And if you try to think back to when Audrey was in phase one, mm. what's one thing you wish you had done? when you had begun your career, you sound like a, a, a really good self-starter and, and someone that, mm-hmm. you know, looks at, okay, what do I need to do? But is there, it is, is there something you look back and go, man, I really wish it probably, I guess maybe when you had come out of your conservatory training, mm-hmm. just going, I wish I had been doing this. I wish I had guidance. I think that's why I have the podcast. Mm. I just wish I had guidance. You know, we were all just like blind fish swimming into <laughs> each other in the water. That sounds you like know, sperm. Shot. I, I think, you know, <laughs> okay, you know right, yeah. we, we really got, spermies. we've gone explicit, yeah, exactly. really. Exactly. So fast. That's what I do. I go explicit. You know, it's, uh, it, I, I came out of college. Uh, I had a real personal tragedy. My father was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer about two weeks after I graduated from college. Mm. Uh, he died five months later. I moved home to take care of him and watch him die. And then I moved to New York City. Ta-da! And so I was already marred by like yeah, wow. a level of trauma that I don't think that, you know, uh, I don't think it's realistic for me to uh, think that I could have or should have done anything different or better right. than I did. And I really feel that so many of us and myself included I will do as best as I know how to do. Tell me how to do it. Tell me how to do it the best. Tell me how to work. Tell me how to, tell me how to find my way in. Don't, you don't have to tell me my way in, but at least tell me how to find my way in. Mm. And even if, even if it's like your way in is going to be when that trend changes. And here's some truth about trends. Okay. Now, right? That to me is, at least helpful information. And I, I don't, I I don't and can't really regret any of the moves that I made. 
I really only regret not having somebody within the business who had the time and ability to authentically uh, lead me from mine to mine so I didn't explode. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we all just need that. Yeah. And I remember being so angry because, you know, I knew that there were actors out there that were just a little older and were working. And I remember just thinking like, this is stupid that we don't have mentorships. Like, this is stupid that people aren't like, because acting is one of the few businesses where I'm not competing against people older than me. Right. The way that casting works, I'm competing against people who look like me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I, I see no reason why somebody 10 years ahead of me in the journey couldn't uh, do that. And that's really the true advantage of being second generation is not really even just the connections, but the fact that somebody can save you so much time because they're like, oh, don't do that. Right. Right. You know, right? It, it's funny. I think probably 10 years ago or so, I, I had the idea of, and, and I knew, I knew kind of why it didn't exist, but I was like, I really wished there was an acting internship program that existed. Mm -hmm. And and I was thinking like, God, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to go onto a set of a TV show, like as an intern to like shadow the actors on there, mm -hmm. just so you knew what was going on and what the day yeah. was like. And, you know, I could quickly think of like why they don't want other actors on the set. Sure, but, sure. but it's like, you know, so many of us spend so much time and energy just trying to get to the set yeah, and we oh, and we have no idea what is going to greet us when we get there. And so, and, and unless you've taken a job like on craft services or film mm -hmm. permit, look at you know, and you have some mm -hmm. film set experience from doing something else, mm -hmm. it's you know. But, but you're right. There's just such that gap exists. So whether it's you know a mentorship or internship or something like that, mm -hmm. that it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, why why isn't there more support? Uh, or or you would wish that there is something. But like you said, I think your podcast is feeling a really great need and, mm. you know, is doing, you know, part of that work short of, you know, taking people to sets and going, here's what this is like, here's what this is like, you know, yeah. I, I, it's really great to hear from somebody, as you said, who's currently working, who's talking to other working professionals from, you know, different mm -hmm. parts of life that uh, it's, it, I, I'm really thrilled that, that your podcast exists. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I'm so happy about it is that I hear from people that I consider to be phase four actors mm -hmm. and they're, they are like, Oh my God, I love your podcast. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. And then I hear from people who are like, I'm graduating from college this month and I'm so glad that I found your podcast. Yeah. I'm about to move to LA and, you know, little bitty baby actors and everything in between. And I, I think that's really uh, exciting to me because it means that I'm addressing enough issues that everyone can can get something out of it and also uh you know when you talk about like phase three phase four actors you know those actors aren't usually even in class anymore right yeah. and so you can miss that sense of community and you know if you're not doing theater you know you're you're coming onto a set and then you're leaving and what i hear from people is that the podcast gives them the sense that they used to get in class of like, oh God, I'm not all alone. Right. Like, oh gosh, yeah, you're going through that too. Oh yeah, that's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's how that is, right? Yeah. Or or even or even if you're in a market where there isn't a lot of work and there aren't a lot of creatives mm -hmm. around you, and you're waiting, mm -hmm. you're biding your time to get to an, a, a sure. better market. 
you know, again, yes. you have this community, you know, in your ears of like, ah, mm-hmm. okay, all right, I, I hear my tribe, I hear these people. Yes. Or or if I move to LA from New Zealand, oh, that's what it would, that's sure. what it sounds yeah. like. That's what it really is like. It's not all like I show up and they just roll out the carpet. <laughs> and it's also not like everyone's just going to spit at you on the street. Like, what is it really? Right. What right. is the expectation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so so much for for taking the time to talk about your show. Like, I, it's it it is such an honor for me to connect with you, and I'm I'm constantly admiring and impressed by what you're doing with your podcast, and and just thank it's you. really really awesome. And so I'm I'm grateful that you had the time to talk today. And and if I can direct any of my listeners to what you're doing, I I think uh, I think it's great. Great. I, I feel the same way. You know, I think the more actors have out there for uh, to listen on their way to auditions mm-hmm. to people talk about the business from inside the business, I think the the better that is for all of us. Yeah. So I really appreciate what you're doing. And I appreciate, you know, all of us who are sort of coming together, I would say, as like a new generation of informants. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, to, yeah. to come out and pull the curtain back. Right. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a cliche term, but it's an exciting time where like mm-hmm. the old guard doesn't exist and anyone mm-hmm. can have a platform and share That's what right. they want. And, and you know, uh, it's it's it is very exciting that there are a lot of people and in the acting space, you know, sharing mm. great information like this, and it's not left up to a few individuals through established means. You know, it's yes. uh, it's Audrey has a microphone, and here she's going to tell you what she thinks, and it's great. Right. Well, and hopefully not just me. Right. Like, I yes, have yeah. people who've gotten on from all all areas, and I'm like, how how did you do, how did you do that? Yeah. Like, oh, you went that route. Oh, I went this route, and they're like, oh, I hated the route you went, so I went <laughs> this other route. You know. And I think it's so valuable to have all those perspectives. I do have. Uh, I know you've been asking me a lot of questions, but I do have one question for you. Sure. As an actor journeyman, do you have any questions for me? That is a great question. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the things I struggle with and, and I've struggled with for years and years is having, and this is, this is going to sound, this may sound horrible, but having too many exciting projects to do. And when you have too many exciting projects, you can feel stretched thin and you may not feel you're getting the traction on the projects you want. And so whether that's, you know, in acting work or a podcast or any other creative endeavor you're doing, you know, and for a lot of other people, it could be like, well, I also want to do this web series and I also want to do this, right. whatever. Yes. Um, and so I'm always, uh, I'm always almost like delighted when I see people who seem to have figured out how to focus on something. Uh, and I, I guess I would ask how, and by the way, I love the clarity that you spoke with earlier of saying, well, if this interferes with my acting, I'm done with it. Because to me, that's almost like a very ballsy thing to say of like, man, she has this podcast that's doing really well and people, you know, it resonates with people and that's amazing. And, you know, she certainly seems like she enjoys it on some level. It's not torture, Mm, I love it. but that, that she could just be so clear of like, yeah, if it gets in the way, it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of us, myself included, are, I don't know if it's like hardwired or hungry for, especially in, in a creative field, like you're just hoping you do something that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, in a larger context, it's like you want to do something that matters, you know, like mm-hmm. the, and because I think that 
that pe- phrase people know, but it's like, and so I'm always impressed with people who I perceive that, wow, they found something that resonated with people. They found something that matters to other people. And yet they could be so clear about ending it because it's not their personal goal. But so there's probably a number of questions in here, but I'm always curious is how do you like, how, how do you figure out or what's your criteria for what you are working on? Because I'm sure even maybe since the podcast have started, there may have been other opportunities that have come your way that other people want you to be part of mm-hmm. um, that you have to decide, you know what, this, this isn't, you know, this isn't part of my plan or this isn't part of my goals or I'd let, you know, Audrey, you know, you, you say like, look, I only get two projects at a time and you know, mm-hmm. one is acting and one is podcast mm-hmm. and that's it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious that, 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 that would be my question is how do you, you know, how do you manage that? Yeah, I feel like you're t- you're actually asking kind of two questions and they're Most sort of likely, coming yeah, into <laughs> to one. So one is what I would say is like, how do you not spread yourself too thin amongst too many passions in a way that then sacrifices the integrity and the success of one of the passions? Mm-hmm. That's one question. Okay. And then I would say the next question is more what you sort of got to, which is then how do you time manage around those priorities? Right. Right. So for me, I would say, I think what most artists and actors and people are actually really seeking is a feeling of empowerment. You know, what we do is very disempowering and actors are really guilty of finding other things to temporarily feel empowered by until that thing gets successful enough where then it starts to feel disempowering Mm. and then they will return to their focus of acting. So I call that like passion hopping, basically. Mm. So this is an actor who is maybe in phase one and they maybe need to just get better at auditioning. But instead of getting at better auditioning, they feel disempowered with their results in auditioning because it's disempowering because they're not good at it. They're not, not good at it because they're bad people or bad actors. They're not good at it because no one gave them the hours and the instruction to be good at it. Sure. But it's really hard to be really good actor and then be not really good at auditioning. It feels very disempowering. So then what they do is they passion hop over to say, I'm going to, I'm a writer. You know, I'm going to write my own projects. We know what I want to do is I want to write my own projects. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm a writer actor. I've always liked writing and I can write and I'll do that. And then they hang out with their friends and they like write and they get some ideas going and then it gets exciting and then it gets to sort of a place where then they have to sort of do something with it for it to then turn into money. And then they make the unfortunate discovery that that's as hard, if not harder than the acting. And it's often very expensive. And then they go, oh, you know, this writing thing, it's like a racket and it's all full of bullshit and whatever. I'm an actor. I'm an actor. You know what I need to do is I need to get better at auditioning. I'm going to go and I'm going to take this audition class. I'm going to work on my auditioning. And then they get to auditioning and then maybe they get better. And then maybe they like book one job. And then after booking that job, they think something's going to change for them because they thought after one job, things would change. And then it doesn't the way that they expected it to. And so what they really need to do is get more auditions to get more jobs. But they have to figure out how to do that. And that's very disempowering. So they're like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a director. 
I'm going to go direct. Mm, I'm direct yeah, something. Yeah. Yep, yep. And they pop over that passion. And then they discover that directing is a really expensive endeavor that requires a lot of skill. And people go to school for years for that endeavor. And they might take the script that they wrote back when they were on the passion of writing. And they might start to think about directing it. And they look at all these examples of people who are like multi-hyphenates. And they use that to inspire them until it really gets to the point of it really being hard again. And... Nobody cares about what they're directing. And maybe they get into a few festivals and then it feels like maybe they just give a lot of money away so that people could throw a festival and take a bunch of artists' money. And then they feel disheartened and then they go, I'm an actor. And they pop back over to acting. And I see people do that for a really long time. And uh, I think that you have to just check your intention. Is your intention truly to tell this story that you want to write or is your intention i'm really frustrated by acting and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to go seek empowerment somewhere else when Mm -hmm. really maybe what you need to do is seek your empowerment through getting through the struggle of the next phase of growth in your acting Mm. and there's lots of science on that and the science says that it sucks but the reward is very clear that you have to sort of get through that. So to me, having an intention of like, what do I really want? Like what's really exciting to me? And what I really want is a very full, very engaged acting career where people seek me out and are excited to have me be a part of my, about a part of their project and are really excited in me being a part of their collaboration and what I will bring to their story and to the table and a co-creative collaborative exchange between me and all the creatives of the other actors and the wardrobe and the makeup and all that. That is like sharp as a nail is the sharp as a samurai sword. That is my, that is my greatest intention. Yeah. And so then as far as managing my time is concerned with a podcast, it's easier for me to then do what you're really talking about with time management of call boundary setting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I set boundaries because I've learned how I work and I know that I need to have a lot of energy for my work. That's just how Audrey is. Yeah. Because when my attitude suffers, my approach suffers and my attitude suffers when I don't have enough energy. So if I'm giving all my energy away to other things, even if it's a podcast or if it's, you know, public speaking engagements or my reps, like to whatever degree they like see green with a podcast and they want to run and go with it. Right. 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 And I have to just like have a conversation with myself of like, I am not here to be a master podcaster. I'm here to be the actress I desire to continue to grow to be and get paid very handsomely for that and do work that is very exciting to me. And then I will have this podcast wherein I will share upon that journey and bring others to share upon that journey. So others can hopefully get along that journey easier than I did. And I'm not here to, 
dominate the podcast world. And it can be sneaky, you know, I'll be like on Instagram, and I'll see somebody's like starting another acting podcast. And I'm like, Oh, oh God, sorry, starting another <laughs> acting podcast. And I feel like competitive suddenly. And like, I, I gotta, how do I get it? And then I just, it's, it's, it's easy for me in the sense, though, that I really believe that my value is in being a working actor. Mm. And that if I let go of my pursuit of continue to expand my working actorness, that I will be cutting off my nose to spite my face. Mm. And I will kind of create this acting podcast that then becomes an echo cham- chamber that I find in a lot of acting classes of right. just a lot of like self congratulation and a lot of commiserating and all of that, as opposed to with a focused intention of information, empathy, and camaraderie. So I would say a really focused, sharp intention helps to decide what is noise and what is actually something that you want to give your time to. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it, um, like many, like many things, it is not easy work, you know, yeah. to come up with that intention and, and to hold yourself to it. But, I, um, that's, uh, that's great. Thank you for all that. I re- really appreciate you responding on the fly with such, uh, of course, articulate and eloquent thoughts. Oh, thank you. I really, you know, you're an actor too. Yeah. And I, and, uh, uh, Audrey Hills actors. And so I'm always <laughs> looking. Um, to see when you reach out to me, I'm interested in, okay, beyond just another podcast you're talking about acting. Right. Like, what is your interest? Yeah. You know, what is, you could say, what's your intention? Right. Right. Yeah. I discovered, you know, about myself, I have such a deep desire to create. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course that could take, you know, any thousand number of ways. Uh, yes. and, uh, and, I'm not someone intimidated by the tools, uh, you know, yes. so it's like, okay, yes. well, is that going to be video editing? Is it going to be audio editing? Mm. Is it going to be writing? Is it going to be podcast? Mm. You know, I mean, there's no limit. And of course, any one of those things can lead you down to 14 other projects. Um, mm. so it, there's no, there's no, there's no barrier anymore. Uh, what I and, love about that though, is like what you're actually kind of saying to me is like, you geek out on learning. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm very enthusiastic about like new ideas. And as a result, I'm also the kind of person that like, as soon as I learn something that has really helped me or uh-huh. like made a difference, there's yeah. kind of this boomerang effect where it's like, I got to get this back out there into the yeah, world. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I feel like so many people have like a part of themselves that is who they are and no need to fight that in an idea that you need to be like somebody else. Right. Right. Because I think if like what brings you real joy is geeking out about learning and exploring new, newer and newer avenues, right. then it's your life experience. So go geek out and experience joy in learning new things. And if maybe that doesn't equate you know, the financial remuneration of Steve Jobs. Well, that's fine because all that's really just consumerism and all that anyway. And what Steve Jobs really was excited about was creating new ideas and geeking out about new ideas. So I feel like if your passion is learning, 
That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think that's a great, great way to, to frame it. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and of course, like I also try to remind myself, you know, despite, you know, my current age or, you know, in 10 years, mm-hmm. how old I'll be, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, it's mm-hmm. all an experiment. I'm still yes. trying to figure it out. I'm mm-hmm. still trying to refine it down to, I mean, I'm, I'm always impressed with people who feel like, nope, this is the thing I'm doing and I'm good. Like, I don't need anything else. Like I'm, I'm all, cause I'm not wired that way. So I'm always impressed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. hear people come at things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, maybe I'll still be experimenting for the rest of my life until, you know, yeah. and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just my journey. I think so. And I think like if you can, if instead of feeling like you should have somebody else's journey, right, you can be excited about what's exciting to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Then there might be more that you can uncover and discover within that. Because there are people who are sort of think like, I have this passion and I'm just not dogmatic about this passion and mm-hmm, I have an obsession mm-hmm. about it. And then I become Quentin Tarantino, right? <laughs> like, and then we look at Quentin Tarantino, we're like, oh my God, he's rich and he's prolific. So like, let's be that. Right. And then that becomes sort of the standard. But I feel like maybe that's a little bit like deciding that we should all have the same body type yeah. when clearly we don't. Right. And so right. then we all go get go to the gym for too long and then we starve ourselves or whatever or go get plastic surgery to have a body type that simply is not ours because somebody else has idealized it as the one that we should have right when truthfully i you know i have lots of friends who geek out on learning and they're some of the most incredible and alive and passionate people that i know yeah cool right? yeah, yeah yeah absolutely uh, I would embrace it. I think well, you should embrace it. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just thinking, like, okay, do do we want to both take another three hours just to keep talking about all this? Yeah, it's sure. Great. No, I feel it's you. Great. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It's That's awesome. your way of well, saying, uh, like, calm down, Audrey, calm down. No, no, it, like, yeah, it, it, like it's, to talk to a, a fellow passionate person is always exciting, and 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 I think you know, I, I remember you know having teachers uh, of, like this. You cannot help but become a little bit more excited about the topic when you're talking yeah. to somebody who's pat, like I always equate yes. to like if somebody's telling me about a car battery, but they are super excited. Yeah, about it, like, right. Yeah, I just, right. I, I'm just like, wow, this is, they're drawing me in. Like, this is kind of cool. Uh, so, uh, and I think, uh, if there's like many of, uh, to add to the world, if there's something else we can add, if we can add more passion to people's lives, then, uh, cool. then we're doing our job, you know, like, there, you know, we can't have too much out there. Um, well, thank you again so, so much thank for you. all your time. You this has been it. really, very really great. Awesome. I appreciate you. Hey, guys. Nathan here one more time. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss anything ahead. Be sure to visit WorkingActorsJourney.com for additional info and links for items mentioned in today's episode, as well as all the episodes. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All the links are on our site and in the episode notes. Become a premium member and enjoy additional benefits and perks of the show starting at just $2 per month. Head over to workingactorsjourney.com slash premium to join the Working Actors community. Thanks again to today's guest and to everyone that makes these episodes possible. And a special thanks to you for listening. I'm Nathan Agan, and enjoy the journey.